You are now listening to LFL Talk with Adri and Marcus. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of LFL Talk. I'm your host, Adri Mallows. Joining me, as always, is the legendary Marcus Henson. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. You're good. How have you been since our last episode? Not bad, not bad. Can't really complain. Managed to come down and see you. Uh, well, yeah, this is true, yeah. You managed to surprise me at training a couple of weeks ago, which was, was very nice. We put together a couple of hours on the training field, didn't we? It was it was, it was, was good laugh, mate. Yeah, happy days, yeah. Practising the old QB arm, ready for next season. Spoiler alert if you're a Spartans follower. OK, let us now start with the LFL Global News. Here is the news. The first thing I want to talk about in the, as part of the news is that the LFL Australia contracts are starting to be handed out at the moment. And the one thing I saw through Facebook is that Marky Henderson is going to be playing for the Western Australia Angels this season, Marcus. What do you think to that move? I think it's I think it's going to be brilliant for her, to be fair. I think right now, while she's hot, the best thing to do is just keep on playing. By nature, football has a long off-season, you know, and we're not going to be seeing LFL US until next year. So why not take in, if you can, uh, another season back-to-back? Because it is quite a short season. So go out there and, and delve into it and just get yourself. Well, like I said, while you're hot, you're hot. Go out there and you never know. Make magic happen. Well, you say short season, but it's going to go from October all the way through to the end of January. So she'll probably only end up having about a month, well, probably a couple of weeks off by the time she gets back ready for training camp and things. So you're right, though. Very good for the young rookies. Uh, her and we also believe Cindy Cummings, uh, another rookie going to be playing in Queensland this year. Thinking of Queensland, again, through the joys of social media, we have seen that Remy Olenzok of the uh, Toledo Crush is going to be playing for Queensland Brigade this year. And a great experience for her because I think the Queensland Brigade are a much better outfit than the Toledo Crush. I, I honestly believe that too. I think it's going to be great for her because um, she'll be in an organisation that I think has a chance to... Um, I mean, anything can happen. She'll definitely have a chance to win whether she'll be able to be title contenders we don't know i mean uh just look at the u.s season it's thrown up so much so much fun and so much david and goliath stories that uh maybe underdogs last year doesn't mean that this year they're going to be the same well yeah last year they finished off strong didn't they they may have lost their first two games but they came back and won their second two games after they had the the coaching change so they're looking pretty strong I think going into this season as well as having um, the combination of Caldway and Cummings at quarterback and you would expect Cummings to get the starting job but um, we'll see it'll be great for the likes of Jane Caldwell to learn from Cummings and it's great experience for Cummings to play in another league and see how much more physical the Australian league actually looks because obviously playing on grass I don't know for me it just seems that maybe they hit a little bit harder they've got a little bit more freedom because they don't they don't have to worry as much about safety not only that you've got to think a lot of these girls are ex-rugby players so the whole tackle mentality um, especially as, as Darren knows lots of league being played you know they, it's a hard hitting game so you know they're going to be coming into this. Um, they've had a, a long off season as well to prepare the the Australian players. They're hungry. They want to get their season started. So perfect to come in there. This is going to draw such an intensity, and I think that is what you're going to you're going to get into this mixing pot of 
you know, different um, cultures and sporting ideologies clashing. And you're going to learn and it's, it's just going to be a great opportunity. Absolutely. And the final thing I've got on LFL Australia is that there was a post on Facebook where they were asking fans what they thought about possibly bringing punting in on fourth downs in LFL Australia. Obviously, again, due to being outdoors, not sure that's going to work on a short pitch. But what do you think, Marcus? Uh, I mean, for me, I'm not sure it's going to work. It's It seems... Looking again, seeing this on, online on the social media, a lot of fans were looking a at too short a pitch, which is indeed a problem. But also b, it was it was to do with the intensity that that's brought along with having to having to play all four downs, being able to to push the ball and you know being able to alleviate that pressure with a punt. It's, it's you know I I do agree with some of the fans that you're really having to put pressure on a team. You're backing your own you know near your own uh, goal line your own end zone, and you're on fourth down, the pressure to make that and convert that, it just adds a little spark to the game. And I think with A and B together, the short pitch and the intensity, I think it's good as it stands. Yeah, that's completely fair comments. I think I have to agree that extra intensity on fourth down and making sure you actually, well, you have to make a play, don't you? It's forcing the players to make something happen rather than just being able to easily kick it away. So, well, that's it as far as Australia that I've been able to find. But have you managed to find anything else on the Australia front at all? Not really. Um, yeah, my biggest thing was just trying to get some fan feedback again about the, the punts seemed to be the biggest hot topic along with which American players are going down. Same sort of news. Actually, that just leads me into something I found before we came on air. I saw a post by the Victoria Maidens and it said, which of these league MVP nominees will be playing for the Maidens this year? So that may be the answer to our question as to whether they were going to get any American imports because potentially they're going to get one of the MVP nominees. Wow. I mean, that would that would be very big. Um, maidens look really strong just from looking at the... Uh, the off-season workouts and the mentality that they've really drawn into, um, I think if they can if they can shore up with an American MVP import, that could be a very powerful team. Well, yeah, especially when you look at the. We'll come on to the awards later in the show, but just for the purposes of the players potentially going to the maidens, you're looking at either Danica Brace, uh, Sage Steinmetz, Crystal Harris, or Stevie Schnorr. So you've either got a great middle linebacker or you've got three amazing running backs heading that way yeah there's some serious ground game uh, mentioned amongst amongst like you say mvps there's just they're all mvps there um they could all all, all win that award the uh, league mvp all of them so oh that would be uh, on grass as well West Diamonds, or just the power in her legs going forward on grass i don't would you stop her i don't know the same could be said for stevie oh, snore because she doesn't necessarily look that quick but we saw the run she broke against, I believe it was Los Angeles, wasn't it, when they looked down and out? Um, and then, obviously, uh, Hansen came in, got the team rolling, and Schnorr broke a uh, about a 25-, 30-yard run. Yeah, and I, I think it's going to be interesting to see because I'm sure they've possibly been outside and trained on grass, but when you get under the lights, when the intensity's up, you know, um, we saw a few people losing their fitting on the old um, indoor turf, but, you know, we're full cleated outside. And last year, we never saw any any real adverse weather, did we? No, we didn't, no, because yeah. uh, it's Australia. <laughs> and it's <laughs> yeah. the Australian well, summertime, it, so you wouldn't really expect but, too much. 
But you never know. Could could we have the first real sort of uh, rain game where that run game becomes so critical? Yeah, you never know. You, anything can happen, especially as far as the LFL is concerned. So last thing I want to talk about, and it's a big thing around, again, around social media at the moment, and that is the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Now, on the Bullhawks Nest, we have uh, done that ourselves, both uh, myself, I nominated myself on behalf of the the website and subsequently nominated Marcus, and I know you've done it as well. Um, but also there have been some LFL players supporting the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. We will put a link to the ALS organisation in the show notes. If you haven't yet, you definitely should uh, check out their website. And if you can spare anything, please do make a donation to what is a horrific disease and they deserve all the money they can get to try and find a cure for it. So we'll also put a link in the show notes to the uh, sorry, the LFL's Ice Bucket Challenge taken before the Steam Jacksonville conference game a couple of weeks ago. So let's finish up then. Marcus, do you have any further news to add? I have no further news to add. Really? That's a first, isn't it? I know, I actually have nothing more to say. Shock horror. Marcus has nothing to say. I know, I know. Please, please, take a minute, grab a seat if you need it, people. I have nothing more to say. Okay, well, on that bombshell then, that is the end of our LFL news. Hi, this is Tony from Delicious in Hemel. If you like a bit of banter with your sandwiches, then come on down to us. We do baguettes, ciabattas, paninis. We can even discuss the LFL with you. So why don't you come and give us a try? And if you want some more details of our menu, see the links on the Legends Lounge page. Now we move on to our conference playoff roundup. And I apologise because we have glossed over a few regular season games by, by doing this, but we do like to try and keep ourselves current so we can go straight into the conference roundup and although it was the second of the two games I would actually like to start with the Chicago versus Los Angeles game if that's right with yourself Marcus yeah yeah absolutely so we always knew going into this one this was our top two teams in the league uh, both rated a star from our preseason rankings after the uh, little addition to Chicago and did this game disappoint? Oh, oh, it just did not disappoint at all. Yeah, I mean, it was extremely close. First half, what can we say, 15-6 at half time, Turned into a bit of the Ferrari show. Um, and for those who have listened to the interview we were um, lucky enough to do with Monique Gaxiola, she was saying, you know, their keys were to stop Crystal Harris and then try and make fair throw and win the game. But from from what I've seen... Unfortunately, they weren't quite able to stop the Ferrari. Ah, stop her. She never, never, I don't even think she stopped um, cruising out of about fifth gear. She was lightning on that field. I mean, the stats are just mental. I mean, we're talking 16 carries, 131 yards. That's an average of eight yards a carry with four touchdowns. That's crazy, isn't it? Again, you think that the pitch is only 50 yards long. It's just, it's phenomenal. And don't forget, she also had two receptions for for 27 yards and another touchdown. So you're looking at all-purpose, 158 yards, uh, five touchdowns. That's what, what more do you say? We're both yeah. left a little bit speechless. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I was kind of sorry. I was uh, a little bit of a uh, little bit of windy pops, but uh, yeah. Uh, uh, actually, I want to I want to take a, 
one second and say that link this back to uh, to our normal show, Spitball. Would you say she's an impact player? I would definitely say she was an impact player. For sure. And also, to be fair, Heather played her part as well. Four out of five passes, 66 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. So when she needed to pass it, she did. Yeah, because there's been a lot of controversy said around how that Chicago would struggle as they have no throwing game. Yet Heather's come in and she's she's thrown a completion rate of 80% uh, for 66 yards, managed to get the touchdown in, kept the ball safe and uh, basically well, controlled the offense. Well, I know there I know there was the fumble that but that was recovered by Albert. Yeah. But at the same time you're sitting there going there was there was no need to throw up the stupid ball. Um, and this was all created because um, Christo Harris can actually just secure you the yards you need, keep the, the yardage marker ticking over. So therefore, there's no chasing of the game. There's no there's no trying to find the long bomb in desperation, which it seemed definitely for, for L.A. At, at, towards the end, especially the fourth quarter. At one point, I believe they brought in um, uh, Michelle uh, Angel. Thank you. They brought in Michelle Angel to, to try and, uh, and bring out the long, absolute deep bomb passing game. And there was two picks because of the, 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 the chasing of the game. Yeah, that's right. In that second half, the Chicago, we mentioned obviously it was only 15-6 at, at half time, But in the second half, that bliss defense, um, two sacks of Ashley Solano, two interceptions, one on Angel and one on Solano, uh, with Ali Alberts and Kim Perez getting those sacks. Um, and the other big stat for me... I think you have to look at the fact that they held Borso to only 23 yards. I think that's that's the big one because 10 rushes for 23 yards, an average of 2.3. There's just no chain movement there whatsoever. That's not going to drive your, your down marker at all in the right direction. You want to be like, I mean, a good sort of healthy four to, to five yards to carry will easily secure you what you need in the LFL using, like we were saying, that the four down system, constantly playing all the downs, four yards you know, even at a push of three yards, you know, you're still going to, after four downs, you're still going to keep that 10 yards ticking over. So it, it seemed the pressure. And I think I remember someone saying at the beginning of the year that the Chicago Bliss front, defensive front, was the best in the league. Hmm. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember who said that. Was it, was it someone I know? I don't know, but they're a very smart person because clearly they knew that, that defensive line, I can't keep a straight face, that defensive line would put that pressure on and create the, the containment needed because then they all went one-sided, Borso shut down, what do you do? You've basically left Solano to try and create an air game. And though she did put, you know, if you take of the, the interception, some decent stats were sort of 5 for 15 for 82 yards and two touchdowns, you know. But the pressure creates the sacks, forces interceptions. What more can you say? Um, well, you can say if this person was smart, knowledgeable and... Don't forget came looking. With, uh, ...and got a good prediction, clearly it wasn't you. <laughs> 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 oh, so yeah. you wound me so. Ouch! Do you, uh, yeah? Do you want a little bit of a uh, little bit of salt for that I, wound? I, I, I'm gonna take a moment to recover. I'm okay. Yeah, you're over it now. Yeah. I'm over it. Let's carry on. <laughs> okay, so yeah, fair play. No, um, and to be honest, fair play to you as well for for that prediction of their defense coming through with, with Chantel Taylor and uh, 
obviously Shari Onley for a couple of games until she got injured and uh, Yashi Rice great defence on the whole but before we move on to the next playoff game I just wanted to say obviously after the the big win at the weekend I understand you may have had a response from a couple of the Chicago players about how they feel the season has gone yeah actually um we wanted to try and to try and gauge some of this you know um and i want to say big thank you to Hallie Jiskra and Chantel Taylor for getting back to us on it thank you for your your opinions guys and i don't know are we shouting them out now or are we going to yeah yeah please put their do. Links yeah, up let's for, throw it in now um, hallie was very vocal i mean i play side by side with the best of the best and I wouldn't want to be fighting this battle with any other. Strong work. I mean, you see the camaraderie that's built. I mean, she's only coming to this team this year, but clearly she was just a perfect fit there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we refer back to the interview with, with Heather early in the year, where she said it was amazing how seamless the transition at centre was, bringing in Hallie at centre, and there was, there was no transition because she is that good. Exactly. And... Uh, we've seen it in the pit on the pitch this year. Absolutely, yeah. The first game against, in particularly the first game against LA, and from the looks yeah. of it, no doubt this game against LA as well. Yeah, I mean the fact that Heather had no sacks clearly must have had time in the pocket to be able to to produce such a such a accurate set of passing, and then that blocking downfield. That's it. And someone I mean, must have been clearing the gaps out of the way for Ferrari to get that many yards. Yeah, I mean the fact is that. No running back, as as talented as they are, they need need the linemen out in front, creating the holes, blitzing the the defense, you know, and just pretty much allowing Ferrari to do what she does, and just the pure speed. And then let's just come back to the defense because you also said um, you had a response from Chantel Taylor as well. Yeah, absolutely, great, great. Thank you again, Chantel. Her words were: "We set the tone first and foremost. We're just the better team." Wow, I mean, that says everything, doesn't it? I love it. I love I love the confidence. I mean, and why would you not be brimming with confidence well my count that's three wins now against LA back to back well back to back to back effectively that's that's the ones they really want as well I mean LA was their sort of bogey team they've now turned that around yeah and I think like I said as one dynasty slam shut are we seeing the start of a new dynasty who knows yeah who knows well we'll we'll look on and we'll we'll wait to see what happens there Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Now we move on to the other game in the conference playoffs, and that was the game between Atlanta and Jacksonville. Now, before we start talking about the game itself, and it was very similar to Baltimore versus Minnesota Vikings game from week 14 last week in the last year, sorry, in the snow where there was about five touchdowns in the space of, of two minutes. But as I say, before we get into that, I would like to talk about the horrific and ugly post-game, what is now also a wow clip on the LFL YouTube channel. Um, again, we'll put a link in the show notes, the brawl slash kerfuffle at the end of the game. What what did you make of that? I was shocked, appalled. I thought um, LFL was better than this. I knew it's, it's a high octane. Um, don't get me wrong. Girls out there fighting for everything. They leave everything on the pitch. They just 
go for it and all. But at the same time, when it comes to the end of the game, graciously win or lose, you, you've got to you've got to be the bigger person and you've got to shake hands with your opponent and just don't let it turn into this. That's ugly. No, and it, it doesn't put the LFL in a good light seeing things like this at the end of the game because at the end of the day, it's a great sport and an amazing sport which which we all love and to see it kind of deteriorate at the end of you know at that point the biggest game of the season it's that's when you should be if you're a true sport a sports person then that's when you're that's when your class comes out you lose with as much grace as you as you are when you're victorious if that makes sense so you have to be graceful in victory graceful in loss and just show that when all said and done, you leave everything on the field, and as soon as that final whistle goes, you've got to show a classier character than that. And I think both yeah, sides absolutely. are to blame, and and the coaches again. See, the coaches have got no no business getting involved in any of that because it is still kind of a mismatch when you see the size of uh, of Dane Robinson compared to to some of the Jacksonville players. Like, can you imagine Dane Robinson and KK Matheny? It's just the size difference. He's got no business getting involved. And actually, once you mention KK, um, I know I've, I've seemed to have got a bit of a... a KK bashing syndrome. KBS. <laughs> KKBS. Yeah, I've got a bit, of a, a bit of a reputation just to be a bit maybe too harsh and have, but you, I've watched the Wild Kip about four times now, and I've actually made a note of the, the, the offenders, uh, some of the worst, and I'm not going to name and shame, but I wanted to actually say, KK actually... She's trying to do the right thing. You see the clip, and the Jacksonville players are getting in her grill because she wants to shake hands at the end of the game and congratulate them for the victory. And I actually want to stand up, and I want to wipe away every <laughs> bad thing I've said because that one, amongst all that chaos, the one standout sort of shining light was her attitude. It's like, win or lose, we lose gracious. I wanted to shake hands at the end of the game, and I just that I just wanted to just put that out there that KK, you did, you were you you were the right thing amongst all that ugliness. Yeah, and that's fair play, and it's good to give credit where credit is due, and uh, and, and fair play for for noting that out. I was just using her as a comparison size wise between her and the Atlanta coach, and that it would just be if anything kicks off. It would just be completely unfair. But um, yeah, like you say, she did the right thing, trying to shake hands. But for whatever reason, it all just kicked off and kind of went crazy. But um, that's the, the negative side. And we hope, well, we know, think that that's just a, that's a one-off. Done now. I think we're through, through talking about it. Just let's, let's make sure, let's learn from it. Let's not let that happen again. Let's not bring this sport down. No, and I just want to, we will move on uh, swiftly. I just want to, I found this perfect thing from a good um, idol of both of ours, from Bill Courtney. I found this earlier, which ah, is kind of explained, absolutely explained the situation. I think all Jacksonville players, this is for you. It is not how you handle your successes, but how you handle your failure. That is character. And to be fair, he also came out with another great quote, which is in the the trailer for Undefeated, the film that we all know Coach Courtney from when he was coach of uh, Manassas High School football team. And that is a lot of people think football develops character. It doesn't. Football reveals character. It's a great statement. And I think it's so, it's so true. When you look at with all the inside access we have now to the NFL and like obviously we've got hard knocks, you've got a football life. And you look at how some of the these legendary players are on and around the field when they're talking to officials and they're catching up with former teammates and you know what I mean you can you can see the respect for each other and there's no animosity they seem genuinely nice guys and really care about their other the opposing players that, that's the mark of a true legend someone who can be best possible player on the field 
and is stand up salt of the earth i believe is the expression of it but i guess we digress and yeah we had a little bit of a you know what really grinds my gears moment there didn't we but <laughs> let's yeah we'll move positives. on <laughs> positives positives we're moving on to the game itself now and so by half time it was looking a bit ominous for atlanta no points on the board and eight nil down uh thanks to a uh, steinmetz td and we were all pretty much expecting her to, to have a big game although you know don't know what was said in the locker room at half time but first score in the second half was actually a sack and safety on kk Matheny. so managing to get a couple of points there i'm just going to kind of bounce for a few bits again that happened in in this particular game jacksonville managed to get another touchdown go at 14 2 up so we're getting into the fourth quarter now they're just trying to run out the clock and um, they've got the ball near the atlanta end zone Pennell's running through got about five yards to go thinks she's gonna score and then alfie gore pops up with a strip fumble recovery big time play when you're 14 two down and someone's about to walk into your end zone yeah, it's uh, we hadn't really seen Atlanta as this uh, this defense, and what a time to turn it on! Yeah, the most important time to turn it on. And then on the back of that, this is sort of getting down now into like the last two minutes of the game, as I say, because this is pretty much where up until this point, the game was going as you would expect it to with Atlanta only having two points on the board. But then, yeah, last two minutes, uh, Atlanta and Dakota Hughes, again, showing her great character, less than two minutes on the clock, completes two passes to Jodie Nettles um, and follows it up with a five-yard touchdown pass Ashley Pope, a uh, great character to lead a team on a drive at what is the most crucial point in the game. This is the this is the Tom Brady and Peyton Manning time in the game. The under two minutes to go, if they've got the ball, you're thinking, mm, what's the politest way I can uh, express this? Uh, should we say, oh dear? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> the politest way I could put that. It's, it's, it's Brady time when it gets to that sort of time. And uh, just bad memories of how many times he's done it to the Bills. But again, I digress. So on the back of the touchdown, and they recover the onside kick, um, which bobbled around, hit off a few players. The standard tense atmosphere, the ball's flying around everywhere. One of the Atlanta players manages to dive on it somehow. Just over a minute to go. Again, you're thinking, okay, Hugh's going to pull it together. Follows up with three incompletions after the after the onside kick recovery. And I think at this point, the Lance fans probably just head in hands thinking, what's going on now? And then before you know it, in a blink of an eye, one play, fourth down play later, and a 29-yard touchdown pass to who else but Naz Johnson to tie the game. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You, you say Brady-esque. You know what this reminded me of? Um, not only that fact that actually she's getting a bit of a reputation for pulling it out the bag, yeah. um, but also very Brett Favre, isn't it? The sort of hanging into the very last play and sort of making something happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's what the all the great quarterbacks are, have been made of, isn't it? We could just they're two of the big ones there. They get, we're comparing Dakota Hughes to to Brett Favre and, and Tom Brady, and I think that just goes to show the the caliber of of some of these athletes. It's it's fantastic to watch. And then, of course, they that did leave Jacksonville with 40 seconds left on the clock. And you're thinking, again, you know, if if it was Brady or Manning on the opposition, you're thinking 40 seconds, what's going to happen? You know, they missed Atlanta missed their extra point as well. So 14 all, 40 seconds left. What's going to happen? Well, Alfie Gore knew what was going to happen. She stepped up big again and sacked KK Matheny. Um, to take the game into overtime. So what again? I mean, we've hardly mentioned the Atlanta defense, like you say, all year. And then 
in the biggest game of the year, Alfie Gore comes up with two amazing plays, really, that has really well, it has saved the game for Atlanta. Yeah, it's just all in that all in that second half. I mean, that I have no idea what was put in the juice at halftime. What was in the the team the, the halftime oranges? Yeah, let's let's be careful um, but, about what we say about what's been put in juice at halftime, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, it's. It's that state of mind, isn't it? You are you, you, you're stuck in a corner. You're backed into the corner. Are you going to fight your way out of this, or are you going to just you're going to wilt? Yeah, and uh, Atlanta really stepped up, and then obviously game goes into overtime. Atlanta go uh, four and out, but on a plus side, and they threw a deep bomb on the the fourth down, which got picked off on uh, the Breeze four yard line, and then. Atlanta D steps up big again. The Breeze have uh, three runs for a loss of two yards. And the next thing you know, Atlanta are taking over the ball in overtime on the Breeze two-yard line. So I think from, from there, it was pretty much inevitable what was going to happen. Yeah, because when Ziegler intercepts it, of course, intercepting on our own four-yard line, had she, uh, I mean, Atlanta at that time were about on their own 20. Yeah. So you, you're saying there's, there's a good sort of 20 yards almost, of 25 yards almost, of of chain turnover there, of, of, of yardage from completing it to batting it down oh yeah well yeah i mean that's a sterling point and it's a, a mindset as well isn't it because hughes has got the the way to just think well actually it's fourth down we're deep in our own half i might as well just throw it up and try and score anyway um to yeah like you say getting the pick rather than batting it down and taking over the ball i hadn't even thought of that in that context because when you're in that position all you see is a ball and you just think i've got to make a play here but i guess the the, the real smart ones there are knocking the ball down rather than going for the pick yeah, but uh, it's it's that thing, isn't it? The mentality: see ball, catch ball. It's just it's dr- drummed into you. So being the where all and know all to to be sort of outside of the play while while living in it, it's it's a delicate skill that you know I, I fear few of us ever sort of really eclipse to. But the, the the like you say, the way it changed around because of course then deep in their own half they're having to go right. Let's just Steinmetz our way out of this. And of course, the defense, defense just goes. We know what you're doing. Bang, bang, bang. Shut it down. Uh, turnover very nicely. Thank you very much. Yeah, because I was reading it was uh, it was three runs like you say by Steinmetz. It was a, a loss of two, a loss of one, and a gain of one. And it was just like wow, <laughs> that's big time defense right there. And then uh, finally, we'll just finish off by saying uh, Hughes found uh, Ashley Pope again for the game winning score. So Atlanta taking it in overtime i mean uh, yeah we've, we've waited so long haven't we for for overtime games and how many have we had this year for like three overtime games let's try and think now obviously we've had the chicago seattle mm-hmm. uh, we've had the conference playoff and we had um we had baltimore at the heart did that go into overtime as well i think it went into overtime as well didn't it go i'm sure it went into overtime as well please uh, no, correct the most, me no, the I... most the most recent omaha baltimore game where it was baltimore needed to win to go in the playoffs yeah no, that wasn't overtime. No, that wasn't overtime. What am I think? I'm sure there's a heart game that's gone into overtime. Uh, if I'm honest, I can't remember one. But you know, if anyone out there can remember, please a correct heart me. Game, internet. Yeah, absolutely, I, I, yeah, 100. Please. Not just yeah. <laughs> I want the internet to email us and tell us if we're wrong. Uh, if the that internet can't do wrong. it, maybe our listeners can do it for us. So uh, and let us know if there was indeed a third overtime game uh, this season. And um, well, that wraps up the conference playoff roundup. Does an athlete reach the pinnacle of the LFL? Performance training. Focus. Yet ever active. In their community. Film study. Practice. 
in superb condition, leading a healthy lifestyle. I'm an LFL athlete. Are you? Okay, so now we come on to our Legends Cup preview. Uh, the two teams we just mentioned there, Atlanta taking on Chicago. Marcus, what are the keys for you in this matchup? What do Atlanta need to do to beat Chicago? And what does Chicago need to do to stop Hughes pulling out the bag with less than two minutes to go? Right. So if, if, if I'm going to use my talking points if i'm atlanta right you've got a couple couple of real big things you've got to do here you shut down starmets in the second half you need to play that for the entire game you need to shut it repeat that and shut down chris dale harris we know that's the, the strength of of the bliss and we're not getting away from the fact that you know everyone keeps drumming that into us but the fact is that if you can at least take that out they're gonna have to go to second or third sort of set up backs i mean we saw jessica price came out of it so you have to watch out the fact that they're quite happy to change who's running the ball. So defense on the run is important. Second, you can't allow Heather Fur to not be at least under pressure. You've got to try and get get to her, you've got to get some sacks like you did with KK Mifini. Secondly, you're going to need Kurt Hughes to be on absolute top form. You're going to need Naz Johnson. That partnership, boy, are they glad to have Naz Johnson healthy. Um, that partnership all year has seemed to work. Try and find the, the quick, easy read passes. Naz Johnson with the ball in her hands in open field is elect. You know, get the ball to her quickly. Let her use her legs. See what she can do. They're the three things I think. If you are Atlanta, you need to focus on. Their real key points. Well, we've said it there. You know, kind of the reverse. Crystal Ferrari has. Well, she's got to be dynamite for you. She's got to be roaring up 60 miles an hour, doing what she does best. But to do that, she's going to need the offensive line and the wide receivers to block for. Her. Now. We saw that again. I mentioned the fact that they were tricking in, bringing in Jessica Price to, you know, a couple of different runners to try and show off that single back look. So therefore, what you need to do is you see how you can incorporate that. You use the reverses, work on that thing. Don't let Ferrari Harris be the one point that they can just dial up on. Secondly, try and get some screens in if you can. Wire receiver, quick outs, something like that. Using Heather, get the ball out of your hands as quickly as possible. They're going to be. Atlanta will be beading in to the backfield. If you can stretch the field by either width or length, that is where you can progress it. And, of course, the obvious one is Kota Hughes. She still is a rookie. She's still working her way, you know, brilliant under pressure. However, we have seen a few interceptions thrown when she's come down to critical situations. You get Yashi Rice, you get Chantel Taylor, you get Perez to sort of put some pressure on. You're going to have, like, Alia in the back on the safety. She's going to be, she's going to just be ball hawking the entire game. Um, you've got Dominic, Coll- Coll- eh, Dominic Collins on, on the outside. One of your best corners, she is having an absolute flyer of a year this year. Tackles galore. You know, let her get some outside pressure, outside blitz. Just whatever you can do to disrupt the, the quick timing. You need to make sure that Dakota Hughes is spilling from the pocket. She's making the wrong choices and she is never comfortable for one second of the game. And that is the bliss points. One thing I want to add in there, I think it's going to be... And breathe! <gasps> Yeah, and brief, Marcus. Yeah, well played. And one thing I think I'm sure you'll agree is going to be a key area. It's going to be the play of the Atlanta cornerbacks because just what we were saying there, if the front do their job and the front stop Crystal Harris through the middle, then you've got to watch out for those reverses between Price and Alberts because they will switch it around on you. And if the cornerbacks aren't containing properly, 
is it could get out of hand quite quickly because both Price and Alberts are very, very quick. Um, how many times have we seen Alberts get a big play on a reverse? Absolutely. Know your assignments. I mentioned that, that if they feel that they, you know, Elantra is beating in too much, they've got Price, they've got Alberts that they can just come in, reverse, or even just running them straight out of a, a different set package. You know, um, hack, you know Coach Hack is going to know how best to confuse the Atlanta defense. And like I said, if, if they're finding themselves being too aggressive on the inside, well, you're going to find someone like Heather's going to, going to pull on the outside. You've got Dominique Collins, who's quite a good receiver as well. She can then stretch the field in width, you know, pull those wide plays on the, like the screens and the quick outs, or then, then you've got the option to block, to yeah, burst forward in a deep pass, probably from that play action. We've seen it. How many times have we seen Christelle Harris get down the field this year and actually catch a pass from Heather? We've seen it a lot this year because they come in, they beat up on the run, you get the play action in, and then that way Christelle Harris is the extra player. There's too many for the, the safeties to contain. So the secondary, oh, it's going to be a great chess match to see whether or not they can come get the right balance of frontal pressure with keeping themselves assigned in the secondary. And now we're going to come on to our predictions. And before we both give our scores, I'm going to get back to remember on uh, on our other show, Spitball, where I'd like to see these these bold predictions. So my my bold prediction, as it were, for the Legends Cup final is going to be Hallie Jiskra scoring a touchdown off a centre release. So fair to Jiskra maybe about 30, 35 yard or something along those lines. They'll just completely forget that Jiskras can come off centre and uh, I see that resulting in a big touchdown play. Yeah, I can, I can completely see that. We saw how comfortable Jiskra is in this system. Um, she's just looked so comfortable and just gelled in the bliss. She's just looked like she's just come home to, to the bliss. And just, I think that's the thing is you, a lot of people forget that you've got the centre is a viable receiver. You know, how would you how do you contain that? Do you put a linebacker on them? Do you put safety? And even after we've given the game away on on this podcast, which I'm sure they're all listening to, I think they may <laughs> come game day, uh, they may still forget about that one. So let's finish off then this little segment with our predictions for the the Legends Cup itself. Because a winner and a score, please. Okay. Well, I, I I said at the beginning, I think our preview of the season. I think I said I, this could be a repeat year for for the Bliss. I'm going to still stand by that. I've not done too bad with my predictions so far. So let's go for. We're saying Bliss, 32, Atlanta, 12. Okay, so you're going with quite a big margin. I I think the dominance in the run game, I don't think that balance is very easy to get. You've got, even though they've come on leaps and bounds, I think if you give Bliss a half to try and get into the game like they did against Jacksonville, I think you're already going to be looking at a, a two or three score deficit before you can get back in the game. And I think halftime, you know, we're going to see a sort of 14, 14 to, you know, 12 to 14 point lead for the Bliss. And I think they'll maintain that through. You know what I think? I think I'm going to go with a real close game and it's going to come down to the final play. No pressure. Heather Fair with a touchdown pass to win the game 22-20 in the dying minutes. Are you going to use your Hattie Jiskra pass as your ultimate? As my ultimate um, bold prediction? Um, no. <laughs> no Jiskra will score you're not going to double them up for increased awesomeness if it comes off no <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm but I'm going to go with Heather proving everyone wrong and showing that she can throw the ball and she will win the game for the Bliss in the dying minutes against Atlanta. 22-20. That's my final answer. Preparation, progression, and perseverance are necessary every second. Assert your will. Impose your will on your opponent. On the long road to a championship, years become months. Months become days. And days become minutes. Preparing for the moment of truth. Creating me the right attitude with which to excel in any endeavor and in any game. One of football's biggest stages will feature two of the most polar opposite teams. One of them young, hungry, focused, and underestimated. There's a lot of pressure and a lot of opinions about me, whether I'm too young or whether I, I can't do this or whether I'm not good enough. The Atlanta team has worked incredibly hard to be where we're at right now. So for a team like Chicago to already be celebrating uh, the fact that they've won the Legends Cup, uh, it's it, it's annoying to me. It's upsetting because they shouldn't discount us and we have nothing to lose. The other, a champion, comprised of a full roster of star power. Going up against Atlanta, I'm not scared. I think we will overpower them in every position. We have veterans. We have just more skilled players. It's not even going to be a game. I mean, I kind of feel sorry for Atlanta. It's a mismatch. This is going to be worse than last year. All the power teams are in the West. They're just cannon fodder to us. The Chicago Bliss have already been here. They've already played on the grandest stage the LFL has the offer. And now it's up to us to prove that we belong on that stage. We have come way too far for us to give up and just bow down to somebody who thinks they've already won. Once the articles are done being written, and the talk ends, the real battle will begin. The war will be fought and won in between the lines. Dreams will be realized as they will also be shattered. For only one will have the opportunity to take the Silver Cup home. Chicago. Atlanta. The moment of truth has arrived. Okay, so now we're going to finish off this episode by talking about the 2014 award nominees for LFL US. And we're going to start with the first category that we uh, mentioned earlier, and that is the league MVP. Now, Marcus, there is the official nominations through the LFL, but if there's anything, or sorry, if there's anyone else that you think deserves to be either A, mentioned, or B, win the award, then please feel free to uh, to let us know. And uh, what we'll do is we will come up with our choices for the award, along with the others, and we'll see what the fans, they'll put a little bit of a vote as well in the show notes to see where people would go with 
the different awards. So league MVP, Danica Brace, Sage Steinmetz, Christelle Harris, or Stevie Schnorr. Is there anyone else you want to add to the mix? Um, I, just, I, I think for me, uh, from the last two games, I think Teresa Petrosello has to be added in there as well. Yeah, just because of how amazing on defence she is. Amazing on defence. Uh, you know, the first two day- games didn't quite go right, but every single... I mean, you watch the last two games, she was on almost every single play. Every single play, she was either, either making the tackle or she was assisting in the tackle. She did, she did a little bit on offence as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think she's she, she, ultimate weapon for the heart. Okay, so we're going to throw her in the mixer, and I'm just trying to think if there's anyone else I can think of throwing in the mix as well, MVP-wise, outside of the the big teams. Um, the only one you could maybe put in with um, a little bit of a shout, maybe uh, Dakota Hughes, purely mm, yeah. because we saw what happened. They struggled a little bit in the game without her. Um, the game she has been involved with, it has you know she's come through with the the big plays so um i think as a mention i wouldn't necessarily say um she gets my vote for the award um i'll tell you who i think does though and it's potentially not the most popular choice out of all of these uh four players but bear in mind mvp is most valuable player so that doesn't necessarily mean the player with the best stats it's the person who in my opinion, if the team lost this person to injury or anything else, they wouldn't be anywhere near the team that they are with them. So I want to make a big case for Stevie Schnorr because you look at the impact she's had on both sides of the ball um, in standing up that defence, playing middle linebacker and everything she's brought to the um, Seattle run game, which, let's face it, without the Seattle run game, would Seattle have been as close to getting into the playoffs as they were without her? No, I must admit, yeah, you got... Very, I mean, with all the which quarterback and stuff like that, and it just wasn't quite the the electric offense we were used to seeing, she sort of just gave it some kind of um, stability. Absolutely. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, what, what would you think to that? If I was to say... I mean, for me, I would put her as my league MVP, but do you have any people that you think would perhaps be more deserving or, or if what, you think I'm just talking gibberish? No, no. I, to be fair, I, I think she is definitely the sort of unmissable element to to the mist. But at the same time, just from production and actual points sort of put on the board, I, I'd have to give mine to Christelle Harris. I would just... My, my vote, as it were, is just just the production, the product, the not just the yardage. Eleven touchdowns on the ground, ten touchdowns receiving. That's the. It's nearly 120 points. Hang on, she's had 21 touchdowns this year. Eleven uh, rushing yards, 460 yards, eleven touchdowns, receiving yards, 141. Oh, sorry, four touchdowns receiving. That's my bad. I, I, I read the finish wrong. So that's still 15, 15 combined touchdowns. So wow. that's 90 points she's put up. I just, I don't think you could ever take, I know, I know some people just sit there and go, oh, you've picked the one with the biggest stats. But it's actually what is done. If you took 90 points off the board, could you get 90 points out of, uh, of Alberts and Price or uh, of any other sort of running back you just stick in there? Are you going to get put n- another 90 points on the board? No, and I mean, that's, that's, that's completely fair. When you, when you break it down like that, I think she is a, a very, very strong candidate for MVP. So we're going to leave the MVP there. We will put up the, I say, the, the voting on the show notes. So you'll have uh, all four 
four choices, including who myself and uh, Marcus have gone for. Plus, there'll be space if you want to nominate any other players yourself. So, um, Hallie, if you're listening, I'm sure you'll probably want to add yourself to that list. <laughs> right, we now move on to Offensive Player of the Year. And the official candidates are Cindy Cummings, uh, Crystal Harris again, Marky Henderson and Sage Steinmetz. Do we want to mention anyone else or do we not need to look outside those four people for, for who we think should be Offensive Player of the Year? Uh, the only other one I possibly put up in contention just because what she's meant to her team coming back healthy and, and her impact would be, be Naz Johnson from the Steam. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's been uh, fantastic to spin back. But bearing in mind what you said about uh, her for the MVP, for Offensive Player of the Year with that production, are you saying Crystal Harris again? It's pretty much a you get one, you get the other kind of award. Yeah, I mean, um, like I said, it's 90 points. It's just, it's such a, you know, there's just no messing around with that at all. That's uh, undefinable, really. Yeah, and I think uh, I'm going to side with you on that one as well. If we're talking Offensive Player of the Year and, and you're putting up um, those sort of points, then uh, then absolutely. We'll go with uh, a joint vote for uh, Christelle Ferrari-Harris for Offensive Player of the Year. Now, Defensive Player of the Year. The official nominations, Teresa Petrozello. Danica Brace, Jessica Hopkins, and Lily Granston. Glad Lily got a mention in this, actually, to be fair. Yeah, she's she's a beast of a, a, of a defensive back. But who would you favour out of those? Or again, think outside the box, if there's others you think would be put in there, say, for example, the likes of uh, Jacqueline Smith at Omaha Heart, or there's some even some players like Kim Jack at Baltimore, people like that you may want to throw in the mix. Kim Jack, yeah, that's, that's a very good check. She is so dominant in that, in that system. But, I mean, for me, it'd be I'd be torn between Danica just because of legacy and what, you know, the team defensively, captain, voice, just pure willpower on that team. But, again, Therese Petrocello, she just she plays defence on another level for me. Okay, but that that almost sounded like you were sitting on the fence between Petrocello no, and Brace. No, I'd have to say... It's a, it's a heart for Danica, but my head says Teresa. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with neither of those two because you know we like to do things differently here, and I'm gonna give a shout out to <laughs> another pioneer is the word I'm looking for of the sport and say for me the season that Jessica Hopkins has had for that Seattle defense any. Big play on defense. It's been it's been her. Whether it be a pick six, um, let's not forget the game. She had two pick sixes in a row. One of which was just still one of the sickest one-handed picks I've ever seen. Fumble recoveries as well. She's been the the linchpin of that Seattle defense as far as turnovers goes. Um, and then you've had Lily Granston putting the pressure at, at the other end. But um, so we're gonna obviously agree to disagree. Standard. Um, and uh, I'll go with Jessica Hopkins on that one. So um, the last one we can really talk about. We'll mention that the Mortaza Award and, and what it stands for but I don't think because we don't know enough about what happens off the field I don't think we can really go for who we think should win that but um so Rookie of the Year uh, which is going to be probably one of the most uh, contended awards I think this year when you look at the uh, vast number of rookies we've had across the league and also standout uh, performances as well we've had from them so your nominations are Cindy Cummings quarterback for Las Vegas Sin Key Henderson running back also for the Sin Dakota Hughes uh, mentioned her obviously several times this evening uh, for the quarterback for the Atlanta Steam and finally Beast Mode 
tackler, Lily Granston? I'd have to say, for me, um, it, it all comes down to, to what Cindy's managed to do. I mean, we're talking a rookie quarterback coming in, having a pretty you know, pretty decent pass percentage. But for me, it's the 10, in, uh, 10 touchdowns and the zero in the interception column. That, that for me, really stands around the fact that she, she's able to process and her mind is already at the level where she, she can play smart already. Um, and I, I think that, that just that blew me away when you, you looked at that, the stats. But the way she played in the pocket and you watch the games and the way she was, she was, the way she was running the offense as well, you know, she, she had full command of that offense and they respected her. And I think she epitomizes what rookies try and do, where they try and come in and make an impact in their first year. And I think she's come in and she looks like she's been running it for years. Yeah, agreed. And I think they were saying on uh, Commissioner's Corner last week that um, she's the only quarterback to have thrown over 10 passes uh, and not thrown an interception, which for a quarterback in, in any team and of, of any uh, level of experience is a great achievement. But to be someone so young, only 19 years old, she certainly is living up to her nickname of Super Cindy. So I think based on that, um, Cindy gets both of our votes for Rookie of the Year, much so I really, 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 from a defensive point of view, really want to give it to, to Lily Granston for, for everything she's done um, for that Seattle team. But performance-wise, I think just from the, the level of play, um, Cindy Cummings, I think, um, yeah, as I said before, she lived up to her nickname Super Cindy, so I think um, Rookie of the Year, um, congratulations. So finally, then we'll let you know who the nominations are for the Mortaza Award. Now, the Mortaza Award is about not just about performance on the field, but it's about leadership of the team, um, about how you are off the field, which goes back to what we were saying about character and everything you do in the local community. So, um, the nominations are Dakota Hughes, Danica Brace, Ogum Chichindu, and Carmen Borso. So, again, we can't really speculate who we think's done enough to get that particular award, but you you will uh, all be able to see that. I'm sure it will either be streamed live off the LFL YouTube channel, which is www.youtube.com forward slash my LFL, um, or it will be um, rebroadcast uh, later on. Um, the ceremony itself is on September the 5th, the night before the, the Legends Cup, um, to be hosted at a venue in Los Angeles. The world's fastest growing sport arrives to YouTube. Legends Football League. Break their confidence. Subscribe to this channel and gain access in the locker rooms, inside the huddle. Get to know your favorite players. The one thing I want to do is just make everyone happy. Give 100%. And fully games in high definition. Subscribe and never miss out on LFL Action. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of LFL Talk. So it remains for me to just say, Marcus, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure, sir. As indeed it has. It's been awesome. Thank you. And we hope you've enjoyed this uh, bumper edition of LFL Talk. 
Remember? Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. And don't forget, we are downloadable now on iTunes. You can catch us on Stitcher Radio, and our shows are also rebroadcast on the 1800 online network, a link to which is on our page. So, until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by. 